Well, welcome back everyone to the Whitetail Theories podcast. Today on the mic, I am excited to present two special guests, Sam Nelson, VP of the United Bowhunters of Pennsylvania and UBP member Dan Smoker. What's going on, fellas? Hey, Torn, how are you? Doing good. Hi, Torn. So uh, this podcast is really going to be more so in the beginning, an educational-based podcast about why these nonprofit organizations fighting for our hunting rights and ultimately expanding upon our rights uh, are extremely important. And I personally feel like a lot of this stuff kind of flies under the radar and doesn't necessarily get the limelight. So let's kind of just start off with introductions here. We'll start with you first, Sam. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself how you got started into hunting, uh, and then kind of what hunting means to you now, uh, now that you've been hunting for what, 40 years? Uh, how about 50? I was close. <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't want to put a, uh, too much of a date over it and overshoot it. You know what I mean? Yeah. More like, uh, 53 uh, years. That's awesome. That I've been hunting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, started out obviously like a lot of people did back in the uh, in the 60s um you know it was more of a uh, it was a very family oriented thing and my uncles and my father took me and it was kind of bred into me um because i i read uh, i've read some diaries for instance example from my my grandfather and some of my uncles that um you know, hunting was uh, almost a necessity back in, in, you know, a generation before me. So, uh, as I said, it's almost bred into me and uh, I started hunting. And actually, I, I first went bow hunting when I was about 14 years old. So, uh, uh, I've been at it quite a while. So, what did bow hunting kind of look like back then as compared to now? It was obviously quite a bit different. Uh, you know, bow hunting was a an extreme minority of the overall uh, hunting community, um, and you know, it was, rifle hunting in Pennsylvania was a, a religion. The first day of you know that Monday buck season was was uh, was all everybody was involved, and uh, so bow hunting was kind of a fringe thing, and it, it started to become more popular. Um, and then in 1985, a group of bow hunters and, uh, got together and that's how the UVP was born. Um, you know, back in those early days before doe tags were used as a heavily as a management tool, when you bought your archery license, uh, it was a, a buck or doe tag. If you used your buck tag on a doe, you were done. Oh, wow. So, uh. Yeah, and uh, as interest in it grew, uh, in 1985, a group of uh, bow hunters got together and they created this organization, and they uh, they did it right uh, and instilled right from the beginning a science-based, uh, proper game management uh, culture and um you know, it's our philosophy, our core, our core belief and core philosophy is that uh, uh, games should be managed scientifically and with the best available science and, and game management practices. 
at the same time advocating for as much opportunity for bow hunters as possible. And that's continued to this day. Well, what did the opportunity for bow hunters look like then? Well, uh, at the very beginning, and I, I'm not quite the historian I should be on some of it, but I think there was only about a week or a two-week season at the very beginning. Wow. Um, and then for many, many years, it it uh, only lasted till the weekend of Halloween. There was It was only basically the month of October. Even though, you know, back in those recurve and longbow days, there weren't very many deer at all being taken by archery hunters. Uh, so again, the, the folks who started the organization said, gee, why not? Why, why, if we're not taking all that many deer and we're not a threat to the resource in any manner, why, why not let us hunt into November? And what people enjoy today is, uh, in hunting into the rut in November is solely the work. I don't want to say solely a lot of people, but largely the work of the UVP, um, uh, presenting that idea that, to the game commission and uh, it took a couple of years but they they finally got that uh, you know that there, as long as we advocate with the resource first philosophy uh, we were a highly respected organization in that regard and uh, you know our advocacy for a rut hunt uh, was eventually allowed and continues to the thing yeah i always hear from um some of the the hunters that have been around for a while, especially that got into archery hunting, bow hunting, uh, in the the early, I guess, stages of it, talk about like if you killed a deer with the bow, like you would take it around town, you would show it off. It'd be like just some type of astronomical thing, crazy thing that like, wow, that's amazing because of how uh, unsuccessful people were with. Uh, traditional equipment at that time and then also the aspect of what pennsylvania's deer herd looked like at that time which wasn't good right uh, back in those days the health of the herd was not uh very good if, if you saw you might have seen a lot of deer uh but they were generally smaller bodied and smaller antlers and you know a lot of spikes and little fork horns uh and the deer herd was extremely out of balance uh and they they were also a threat to their own environment um, because of just just too many deer in certain areas, and that it, it have had to be controlled. And um, we have a much healthier deer herd today as a result. Yeah, for sure. Now, you you were talking about the foundation of uh, UBP. What do you know potentially uh, outside of? kind of like the wildlife management side of things, what really made these, these archery hunters want to come together? Like what, what were some of the, the topics that, uh, maybe came up? It was like, all right, we need a, uh, organized, uh, program to come together. If that makes sense. Well, the main focus of the, the, the founding fathers, I guess you might say their main focus was, you know, why, why, why can't we hunt uh, into November? That was their fa- uh, founding goal that they set right from the beginning is to create that uh, that first two weeks in uh, in November to allow archery hunting, and uh, that's really where it started out. And then when more topics came up, uh, it very uh, soon started talking about. Uh, 
an archery only bear season, for example. So, um, a lot, and a lot, I should say this a lot of the things that the UBP at the beginning, we kind of shied away from non bow hunting topics. Then we realized we needed to be a whole organization. Um, as far as, you know, we had to advocate for good management practices and opportunity because opportunity is what brings new hunters in and keeps new, uh, you know, some of the old guys interested. And so we started advocating for a bear season. Um, we were an advocate for the, uh, mentored youth program and a lot of things that come up today. And, and because of our core philosophy, resource first, science-based management, uh, we've gained a great amount of respect, uh, with some in the legislature as well as with the game commission. So they seek out our opinion often um, when a topic comes up for discussion. And uh, for example, uh, a totally not, uh, if you were a bow hunter, um, you had to give up your second amendment rights while you were bow hunting. And we just said, Hey, that's, that's wrong. Wow. And that's one of the, uh, just to to law that a game law that we were an advocate to get passed that wasn't specifically a, a bow hunting opportunity issue. Yeah, no, I, I was that recent. Uh, I, I don't know the years. It's probably maybe five years ago. I'm just throwing that I, again. I'm not. Uh, uh, there's a few guys in our organization that are historians that could tell you the date. And, that that happened, but it wasn't that long ago that you could not uh, carry your, uh, even if you had a concealed weapons permit, you could not carry that firearm with you while you were bowing. I, I do remember that um, for sure with that within the last 10 years. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was always something that struck me as very strange. And I didn't even honestly realize that that got changed. Um, I at least didn't think about it until you just mentioned it, but yeah, I do remember that changing. So yeah, that, that's an interesting, that's, that's very wild in my opinion. But uh, one of the things I want to rewind here a little bit of, and talk about is uh, the networking that goes into uh, making these relationships and building these relationships with legislation, state game agencies like uh, the PA Game Commission, uh, you as the VP, can you kind of speak on that and how important that is that you go through an organization like the UVP rather than trying to get things changed as an individual? Yeah, for sure. The... Uh... Since the inception, we've had a, uh, a legislative director, a uh, person whose job it was, um, you know, most of us are, are unpaid volunteers. All of the officers are, um, but we needed somebody to have their uh, finger on the pulse, so to speak, of what was going on both in the legislature and within the game commission. That's, that's a lot of work and a lot of leg time. So... Uh, that's one of our few employees that gets reimbursed for their time. And we've had that person, and we've had about, oh, geez, I don't think there's been more than a handful of people in that role. Um, uh, one of the 
one of the best was uh, Wes Waldoon, Waldoon Waldron, um, who did it for many years, and um, he he built relationships both with uh, legislative people and with uh, game commissioners, and um, there's just been a few of them. They've all done a great job. And so you're not going to know what's going on if you're not a member of this organization. You don't, you know, you have a job. You just don't have the time to uh, be keeping up on what's happening, um, you know, good bills and bad. And then when, you know, we, and there's something that's not exactly right that we think is going to happen when there's something going down that is bad for hunting or bad for bow hunting. Uh, we'll get out to our members and say, hey, it's time to write the congressman. It's time to write uh, uh, your senator or whatever, uh, or even the governor, um, and say, hey, we, you know, this is bad. This is bad policy that's being advocated, whatever it may be. And it's only by being a member of this organization that you'll know, you'll even know about it a lot of times. Because a lot of these little the ideas and things that come up about hunting aren't uh, aren't front page news, considering that you know hunters are less than you know a few percentage points of the entire population. So in, in, unless you have somebody letting you know what's going on, you might miss it, and then something bad winds up becoming becoming a war. And uh, so helping us by you know we'll send emails out to our to our members. And say, hey, this is going on. And we'll put it in our magazine, our uh, monthly newsletter, and we'll say, hey, get get out there. We need to, we need them to hear our voice. So the collective voice is stronger than the individual, without a doubt. And that's one of the big things as as hunters that I think we really falter on. A lot of times, it's uh, us versus them, even within our own community, whether it's a division of traditional hunters versus compound hunters versus crossbow hunters. Ultimately, we still need to band together to make sure that our rights are being protected. The, the One of the other things that I think often gets overlooked is a lot of the stuff that goes on through legislation is, is a lot of times done behind closed doors. So like you right. were saying, where the public may not even know that that kind of stuff is occurring, you have your fingers right on the pulse and you're able to stay in touch and be notified of those things so that you can let the public, the hunting public know. That's correct. We like, uh, we make an analogy often when we're doing shows or uh, having, having any of our events that the UVP is a uh, bow hunting state version of the NRA for firearms um, uh, rights, we're, we're your bow hunting rights organization. And uh, of course, not everybody's going to agree on everything. You know, uh, there are, uh, whether it's crossbows or doe kill, doe license, anything, we're not going to all agree. But, um, you know, I'm not sure if there's ever been a married couple who hasn't had one little spat so right. <laughs> it's not if you can't get two people to agree on everything how are you going to get several thousand right. um and so uh, we got to still group together uh make sure it's done in the, in the right philosophy and following the science and 
note and uh, danger to our ecosystem and to the resource. And if we do that, we, we again, we gain a lot of traction and, uh, and it's just, it's just good for the sport. The more people we have in our membership, uh, uh, the more weight that's going to carry when, you know, something really big comes up. Exactly. You look at it like an army, the more people within your ranks, the, the more weight you carry, the, the more formidable you are as a unit. Exactly. So a couple questions here and then, um, we'll kind of change gears, but, uh, some of the things that you've done that I can just rattle off the top of my head, uh, and the UBP I mean by you is, uh, obviously acquiring those, those extra two weeks. Now we have three weeks into November, uh, the, the extended bear season, the archery season. Um, and then you guys also have helped fight for the Sunday hunting too, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're, uh, again, opportunity and with, with hunting, uh, numbers on the decline, we need to create more opportunity especially for kids who have school issues and soccer and football. And, you know, the more Sunday hunting that uh, we get available to them, uh, the more likely we are to recruit uh, young people, uh, retain hunters, and maybe even reactivate some hunters who gave it up because they just didn't have the time. So Sunday hunting's huge. And again, it's an, uh, there, there's an example of where, you know, the, the legislature kind of gets in the way of, of game management. They, you know, we, we believe that game management should be handled by professionals, right? biologists that trained in handling that. And if, um, you know, and there's a lot of topics that I could speak to that on, but, um, you, you know, we, you know, we want the game commission to do their job. Um, and, and sunny hunting is, as they've stated, that uh, it's a tool that they need in their toolbox. Right, exactly. And we see so many examples across the country where game management is being dictated or decided upon based on uh, a majority vote where that majority vote isn't even really a, uh, a shareholder in the resource. Yes, that's correct. So, uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, where, where do you see the potential issues, uh, within bow hunting? Let's just keep it Pennsylvania based, but in the next five, 10, 15 years, where do you think we need to be concentrating some of our efforts as hunters? Uh, two, two areas I, I would say we, we touched on there, indirectly uh one is sunday hunting it, it's got to happen uh it's, it's an absolute must tool to again uh, uh for, for item number two and that is we need to focus our efforts on uh the game commission is calling it the three r's uh, uh recruitment retention and reactivation of hunters um you talked earlier about you know, how it's changed since, you know, an old guy like me started. Well, uh, there were probably, and, and again, I'm not, I don't have the exact dates, but I know in, in the 90s, for example, there was 1.2 million hunters in Pennsylvania. Um, 
adult hunters, and now there's somewhere around 600,000. Right. So uh, we're becoming less and less, and this is, a, of course, the population of Pennsylvania has gone way up. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, might not look favorably on hunting, so we need to keep our voices strong every bow hunter in Pennsylvania should be a member of this organization if they care about the future. Because it, it doesn't matter if you believe in Sunday hunting or not. It doesn't matter if you don't like uh, crossbows. It doesn't matter if we don't get more people in our ranks. Uh, we're going to have less and less of a voice and uh, it, it's going to be tough. So recruitment, you know, Creating a bigger hunting community is number one, and a big tool for that's got to be Sunday hunting. Not across the board necessarily. Again, we believe the um, game management should be handled by the professionals. It should be the up to the game commission and their biologists whether we hunt every Sunday or whether we just hunt select Sundays throughout different seasons, um, as long as the resource isn't threatened. Uh, so they go hand in hand. Exactly. Uh, recruitment. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So uh, let's let's talk about recruitment here a little bit because I know one of the um, one of the stigmas about organizations, um, especially organizations that have been around for a long time, is that they're just full of um, uh, old guys trying to remiss remember the good old days i mean tell us tell us why that's not the case well i'm not sure that's to think about the why a little bit but i can tell you i i've seen um the ubc has a lot of youth members and uh that's why we're involved in things like why heck and we're involved in uh the national archery and schools program many of our um Members are instructors in uh, NASP, National Archery and Schools Program. So we're involved with kids in, at a, a number of levels. Um, and so that couldn't be further from the truth because we're, we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and, and trying to uh, mentor, mentor our youth. And why, and why we were such an advocate for the Mentored Youth uh, Hunting Program so that we could get kids involved. Right. So yeah, we're not uh, just a bunch of old guys sitting around a potbelly stove playing checkers. Uh, <laughs> we're we're out there helping uh, helping kids get involved um, in the sport. And not only that, um, this is potentially a great transition here too. But uh, just to piggyback off of what you said, uh, some of the events that you guys host as well. For example, uh, the five C doe hunt. I was at that event and I saw hunters that were my age and a lot of hunters my age, I'm 34, are getting into hunting based on social media and things that they're seeing online in the virtual world that we now live in. And it's fascinating to them. They want to source their own food, their own organic food. They want to have uh, more control of what they're eating. and a lot of these hunters don't have mentors. That UB, uh, that UBP5C doe hunt is a great example of how they're recruiting 
Um, I guess you could call them middle-aged hunters with very little to no mentorship experience. And you guys, whether you know it or not, are filling that mentorship gap. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed in kind of my tenure with service side and being around other hunters. There's a large push from my era, my generation that are getting into hunting, but have zero mentors and they're just jumping into it. The five seed doe hunt is, like you said, is one of the great places for getting new people involved in the sport. I mean, you know, you got to be able to shoot for starters to come out and, you know, be ready to go. But we have a lot of first timers that come out and there are so many people that are there that are willing to, you know, help show somebody the way and, um, you know, help them field dress their first deer and help them go in and pick out a good stand location. And, you know, so we, we pair people up if people come in and they need some help with something or they, you know, never really did this before. Um, you know, that's a great event to get your feet wet at because you have so many people there that are just rooting for everybody to be successful and to have, to have a good time. And it just makes it, it just makes the event even more special when somebody can get, you know, their first deer with a bow, um, at that event. And we've had that happen quite a few times. We've had, we have a lot of first timers that have, you know, that have taken their first year with archery equipment at that event. And every time it's, every time it's special. So, you know, that's definitely something that you can, could advertise as the five C doe hunt is a, uh, is, you know, good for novices and it's great for the, uh, professional guys that are out there that have been coming and doing it for years. They, they love to help out as much as, uh, as much as the guys that are coming out want to, you know, want to do, do well themselves. So. Yeah, for sure. That's and right. one of the things that I think um, is so important and kind of just to piggyback off of what you said, it is one of those events that unites potentially the newbie and you can feel comfortable coming by yourself. I, I went by myself and was accepted into the community. Uh, now, granted, I'm not necessarily a newbie to hunting, but uh, a newbie to the area, a newbie to UBP, if you are coming from a totally brand new aspect of getting into archery hunting, I couldn't recommend uh, a better event that I've ever been to where pretty much everybody is willing to, if you need it, take you by the hand. If you don't need quite that much instruction, guide you to uh, basically start to finish um, in that kind of hunting environment, firsthand hunting environment. Yeah, I think it's a very unique event, and I don't know that any of the other archery organizations countrywide have have such an event that that we put on like this. I mean, um, it's it's hard to get you know a group of people coordinated to do something like this, but every year it, you know it comes together, and it's a uh, it's always a flagship event for our organization. For sure, absolutely, I can see that. why. Okay, uh, Torin, just one. I want to make two other quick points about the youth aspect of what we do. Uh, I don't mean to digress from the doe hunt, but uh, we hold a sort of parallel event in the summertime. Uh, it's not a hunt, but it's a, it's a family camp out uh, where we you know, we'll all gather at a, a sportsman's club in the upper central part of the state and, and uh, have a big field and everybody brings their tents and campers and whatnot. And we'll set up a, uh, kids in an adult 3d course everybody camps out we'll have a potluck dinner on saturday night and so 
it's again getting kids just involved, uh, getting them shooting their bows young. And uh, uh, the second thing I wanted to mention is uh, we have a uh, a youth scholarship program that was done when our uh, gentleman I mentioned, our, our longtime legislative director, passed. There was a lot of donations made in uh, Muldoon's name. And so uh, kids have an opportunity to actually compete for that scholarship money uh, if they just write to our office. So uh, and uh, any any high school age kid can uh, uh, you know work their way by promoting hunting and, and so forth. And if they need more information, they can write to our office and uh, org. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll make sure I definitely plug that into the show notes too. So any of our listeners that are interested in that can definitely figure out more information, find the more information on it and how to apply for that scholarship. That's great because everybody knows how expensive education is nowadays. So Dan, um, before we kind of jump into the 5C doe hunt, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, kind of give us your background and your hunting background, uh, maybe how you got started in UBP and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. So, you know, very similar to Sam. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a fab, family, uh, family tradition. Um, grand, grandfather and dad hunted for years. Um, everybody was a rifle hunter. I started myself when I was 12. Um, when I was 16, though, I got the bug to pick up a bow and give that a shot. I'm not really sure what drove me to do that. Um, but I remember I had got picked up a, for my first bow and basically shot it every day from the day I got it until I went out that final, that fall and, uh, harvested my first year, the first year that I hunted archery. So, um, you know, that was kind of a unique experience that was out in Franklin County at my grandfather's hunting camp out there, um, took a, took a doe on the opening uh, day of archery season out there. So, you know, that was, uh, for me, that was a big step, um, you know, doing that. And, and my dad was, I just still remember my dad was amazed He's like, I could never believe that you could actually, you know, get a deer with that thing. So, <laughs> so that was, uh, that was very memorable for me, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been at it, like I said, since I've been 12 years old, I've been at it hunting and I've been archery hunting now for, you know, since I was 16. So well over, well over 40 years worth of hunting in there. How, how has, uh, your kind of archery hunting experience changed over the years? What did archery hunting mean to you? Uh, when you first got started and what does it mean to you now? Um, well, I mean, when I first went out, you know, it was for, for, first for me, it was a, it was a huge challenge. Number one, because I was experiencing everything, you know, for the first time trying to learn everything myself. Um, so I was really, you know, self-taught, did a lot of talking to guys at the pro shops and stuff like that, but, um, you know, tried to do a lot of research and, watch, you know, watch TV, read books, um, you know, just tried to self-educate myself as much as I could. There's a lot more educational materials out there today. And there's a lot more, you know, networking that you can do with people. And, you know, of, of course, you know, becoming a member of the UBP and then getting friends that are into archery as well. Um, you know, you start going out and hunting together with people. And then, you know, it has transitioned into a, a, a sport for me now where, you know, I'm, I'm hope I, I get as much enjoyment now out of going out and helping somebody, you know, get their first deer or just, you know, get a deer in general, whether it's their first deer or not. Um, I just as soon see somebody, you know, set somebody up to be successful to harvest a deer as to get one myself. So, 
kind of come full circle in that, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not all about, you know, just, you know, going out and having to get one, you know, get a deer every time you're out there. I mean, the, the best part about archery season, of course, is, you know, you're out there in the, in the woods when it's not so bitter cold sometimes. And, you know, you see a lot of things in the early fall when everything is still, uh, still green and, you know, it's kind of uh, a unique experience to be out there just enjoying nature, seeing the woods wake up around you in the morning and, uh, you know, watching the end of the day, close the day out and, you know, seeing all the, seeing all the wildlife, you know, throughout the course of the day, you know, running around in their natural habitat. So it's, for me, it's just a, you know, very peaceful, calming um, adventure. So. Yeah, absolutely. I I find it interesting. um, People that get into archery hunting uh, at an early age and especially well, I shouldn't say necessarily at an early age, but early and then find success quickly, how much it turns around into that full circle where, uh, down the road, they more so care about other people getting in, getting that exact same experience that they had as well. Yeah. I think it, I think it comes from, you know, personality of the archery hunters too. I think you're going to find a lot of archery hunters that are just, you know, that kind of just a natural person that wants to just go out and and be successful and also help other people too. So, I mean, you know, when we, when we meet five people at the five seed though, I always say this every year, it's, you know, I always say that we have such a great group of people that come in. I mean, everybody that comes there are such genuine, genuinely nice people. You could basically sit down and strike up a conversation with a complete stranger. And I'm sure you experienced that this year being there at the camp. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. took you in and said, Oh, you're, you're new. Come on, camp down here, yep. <laughs> you know, camp down by where we're set up at. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it is, you know, it is kind of cool to see how everybody, um, you know, welcomes you into the circle and, and helps you out. Yeah. And I think that's the hunting community um, in general, as long as you're, uh, open to it, I think most people will accept you, but, uh, moving on, I want to, I want to talk really about kind of, uh, the, the five C program. And why don't you give us a little bit of background of how that conceptualized? Um, how did that get started? Yeah, well, the five C, the five C doe hunt basically just started off with a couple of buddies that just said, you know, Hey, you know what, let's get together today. And rather than go out and you know, hunt out of our stands and, you know, do our thing on our own. And everybody's going out just, you know, doing their own thing. It was like, let's go out and see if we can just, you know, kind of hunt together as a group and see if we can, you know, work to work to harvest the dough or, you know, uh, you know, see if we can do it with some small drives or something like that. And, you know, they were successful the first year that they were out. I think there was like four guys perhaps that, that were part of that group. And, they did get a deer the first year. I remember seeing the pictures come in and saying, you know, Hey, we got one, you know, it was like, that was kind of cool. And then everybody, you know, that that saw the picture said, well, heck, we'd like to join you next year, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as things happen, you know, it started to snowball. Um, the next thing you knew, you know, we had, you know, a couple of dozen guys that were, you know, that were interested in coming out and, um, they started camping in the back of one of the members uh, yards. They actually had our, the five C camp was actually set up in someone's backyard. They you know, created a makeshift shower and out of a, you know, garden hose <laughs> hung up behind a shed. And um, you know, from there, it just kept getting bigger and bigger to where we couldn't even utilize that individual's yard anymore for the event. So that's when we migrated to the campground and that's where we are today. We're, you know, and hosting close to, you know, 60 to, well, we had 60 people this year, last year we had 83. 
So, um, you know, the numbers go up and down from year to year, but, you know, we always have a, a pretty large crew that comes out. So how long has this hunt been going on? I'm sorry, what was that, Sam? Well, I said, yeah, we had 60 people and we were just sitting in the middle of a hurricane. So yeah, I we, think that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of, I think the big reason that a lot of our numbers were down this year was because we did have that hurricane that was forecasted for the first day of the hunt. So I know that kept a lot of, uh, kept a lot of people at home um, trying to stay dry and <laughs> stay out of the elements. But um you know, it, we, like I said, we had 83 the year before that was the year after, you know, the COVID, uh, season. So we, uh, you know, we, we figured that that was due to a lot of people just wanted to get out and do something outside. So, you know, like I said, the numbers, you know, tend to fluctuate every year, a little bit here and there, but we always have plenty of land to, um, to hunt. So there's never, never usually an issue with the number of hunters that we have come out, the more, the merrier. How long has this hunt been going on? Uh, this was our 18th season, I believe wow. this past year. So we're, we're approaching the 20 year mark. Um, one of our goals was to always harvest 20 deer during the five C event. We thought we maybe would hit that last year when we had 83 hunters in camp, but we didn't, we fell short of that. But, uh, this year we actually did set a record though. We actually harvested, uh, 15 deer this year and, um, nine of those deer were actually taken to the hunter sharing the harvest uh, program. So we, those were actually donated to the uh, food banks and, you know, donated to people that really needed the meat. So that wasn't, that's always another great uh, benefit from our program that, you know, from this hunt that comes out of it as a result. One of the other um, unique things about this hunt is five uh, C for, for people that aren't super familiar with five C the management area in Pennsylvania it actually opens two weeks earlier than the statewide season, correct? Is it two weeks? Yep. yep. It's two weeks earlier. Yeah. And we always, we always have our hunt on the first it's well, we open up camp on the first Wednesday of the archery season. So you have the opening day on being on Saturday and then that following Wednesday we're out there and then we hunt Wednesday through Saturday. So we're hunting up until that second Saturday in the season. And then the following Saturday, of course, is the season opener. So yeah, having the early season in 5C always, um, you know, gives us that opportunity to get a little bit of a head start, a jump on deer. Plus, it also gets people to come in from their, you know, from the remote parts of PA that don't have that early start of the season. So that for them, you know, they're able to come down and, you know, if you're hunting up in 2G or something like that, or you've got your camp up in 2G and, you know, you really can't hunt until the beginning of October, the 5C hunt's a great way to come down and, you know, get those first couple of sits in your stand and get the bugs worked out, you know, get the uh, cobwebs worked out of your, out of your bow for the season and get things ready to go. So exactly. it's kind of a nice, uh, kind of a nice warm up to get, to get everybody get going for the season. Yeah, no, for it's sure. Spring training from, I, I, I call it spring training. Yeah. <laughs> because my and, and that's where, you know, you uh, kind of work all the kinks out. And I, how did I do this? You know, you get back the first time you're back in the climbing tree stand and, uh, you know, you have all your gear in order. Uh, I look at it as my spring training hunt for the season. Yeah. I, uh, to kind of piggyback on that. I mean, that hunt is a great way to, uh, to work out the kinks, like you're saying. So, I mean, every year I forget something on the first day I go out, I yeah. always forget something. And yeah. 
the nice thing about that is you have all those other hunters around you. So if you were happen to forget something that you need to borrow something, you, you can, uh, I guess, kind of bum off of the community there, which I think, yeah, I ended up doing that with, uh, with Harold Dobb. I had to borrow some of his equipment. So, yeah, I mean, that happens every year. Somebody borrows either a bow hanger or a tree step or, or, or something. And if it's really something major or if, you know, or if while you're there practicing and shooting your bow at the camp, um, something, you know, goes wrong or you have an issue with your bow. Um, you know, we have an archery shop that's literally within five minute drive of the camp. It's not even, probably not even, uh, it's probably within archery shot of the camp on the other side of the Creek. And, um, you know, you can run over there and, and get stuff fixed. And we're not that far from Cabela's too. So, you know, if uh, push comes to shove, you could just, you know, hop on 78 and run down to Hamburg and you'd be to Cabela's in 15 minutes from the camp. So, you know, there's always, there's always, uh, you know, outlets. If somebody in camp doesn't have what you actually need, there's a few, there's a few places right around there that you can pick something up if you really need to. Yeah, I actually had to do that. Well, I'll, we'll dive into that here a little bit later, but Sam, one of the, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about the five C hunt, uh, one, how many years have you attended? Uh, well, I don't know the exact, again, I don't know the exact number, but I'm, I'm thinking it's been at least 12 years, maybe, maybe not quite 10, 10 to 12 years that I've been going. Uh, and, uh, this year was the first year I actually took a deer. Not all those years that I've been going. Uh, and, yeah. So even the guys that have been doing it for years, it's not a it's not a doe shoot, it's a doe hunt. It's, 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 <laughs> but I I saw deer every year. Just couldn't put one in the I, I couldn't put an arrow in one. So uh, for several years, I believe it's at least four years running. Every deer that was in range of me was a buck <laughs> that I couldn't take. <laughs> so it's like I'd come in, Dan would say, "What did you see?" I said, "Well, I see four bucks." But <laughs> that's hilarious. Range. Talk about it, unlocking. Yeah, it just, yeah. So finally, I connected this year, and I, and I was just as excited about that deer as I am have been of the other. I don't know, sixty-five deer I've taken with a bow. Yeah, and the best thing, Sam, is when you pull into camp with that deer, and thirty people come out to meet you with to see you pull the deer out of the back of your car to get it weighed and everything. That's that's part of the. That's part of the uniqueness well, too of that of that event. You know, where else do you go where you have you know that many people that come out to congratulate you and you know be excited about seeing everybody you know getting a deer? Like I said, everybody's always excited. There's a, you know there's a little bit of fun in it with the uh, the big doe award, but you know everybody's truly excited to see people bringing the deer in, and everybody's you know very happy when people people are successful. And and that's true, Dan. It's just that I wish when I did come in you greeted me and 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 he looked so surprised that i actually got one that's what <laughs> was, you got a deer was the kind of response and i think i was number one in with one so you I were was, you were the first you were the first one to bring one in this year yeah so that was a good memory one of the things that's i thought was really cool from my perspective and then i want to kind of turn it back to you sam uh we've all been around hunting camps, right? Like when I, how I got introduced to hunting was I went to hunting camp up North. Was it the same for you fellows? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Same here. And Otter County. Yep. I was in, I was in Lycoming County. So to me, 
I still go up there, but the traditions of that hunting camp has definitely died off drastically. It's nowhere near what it used to be. And at this event, you can really kind of get that old school feeling of those hunting camp traditions just in an archery atmosphere. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, we've got yeah, we've got we've got the coffee brewing at you know four o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, people crawl out of their tents and they make their way over to the tent while they're you know wiping the co- wiping the uh, sleepers out of their eyes to get their morning coffee. And uh, you know, so it's kind of cool to sit there and wake up with everybody and kind of sit there and chit chat about the days plans and game plans and you know and then everybody gets up and heads off to their uh to their respective spots so it's kind of kind of cool that everybody can get together in the morning like that and kind of have a little bit of a get together before everybody goes out to hunt so kind of getting back to my other question and this is for you sam uh having been going there for 10 to 12 years what do you look forward to the most and uh what is your excitement geared towards when when like what is your perspective having been there that often wow that's a i i think again it's the it i i think it's the fact that it's the first of the year you know you've been working on your gear and uh you've been practicing a little bit but you know it's like hey Archer season's about to open. You know, it's that it's that excitement of opening day, which I you know used to, again experienced way back in the day when I was in those hunting camps. It's uh, um, that here it, what I've been waiting for all year is finally here, mm-hmm. kind of feeling. And then of course a lot of people in the UVP, as Dan mentioned, that um, come from all parts. Uh, that that's the only time I see them. Uh, you know they. I get to see a lot of my, you know, UVP friends there. So that's one thing I really look forward to. And so that, that first three feeling and, uh, you know, like Mike Kennedy, for example, we always wind up right across from each other and, uh, and I, we part away this year. See you next year, buddy. So I look forward to seeing some good people. So kind of from my perspective, and it's funny because you've been there, you've, you've been there roughly around 12 times and, your expectations of the things that you look forward to almost exactly align with mine, having only been there once. And the, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the big thing that I really enjoyed at the event was just listening to those hunting stories that I've missed from my childhood of being at hunting camp. And I mean, I could hop from tent to tent to person to person and literally just listen to them talk hunting stories all day long. Like, that's my favorite part. I don't have to say a word, just listening to the stories. And there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's some guys, once you start them, you can't stop them, too. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I missed that hunting camp atmosphere so much, I decided to uh, spend my kids' inheritance, and I, I bought one up in 2G, and... Uh, that's where, uh, I spend my, all my money and time making food plots because, you know, bow hunting became an extension of lifestyle. then. now that I have this, this property, because, uh, you know, I, I put a lot of labor of love into all these food plots and helping the deer. When I bought that property in the middle of 2G and I'm in the center of the Sprout State Forest, which is 303,000 acres, that's 500 square miles. So 
uh, you know, the deer are spread out and by, and they were beginning, they were all emaciated and, you know, by spring and they didn't have a lot of food. And uh, so now we've got healthy deer, just, I, I believe largely on the efforts of me and my family right around our camp. So, you know, it, it just, ex- bow hunting just expands, um, your lifestyle and the five C doe hunts critical of that. that, that I can't wait all year. Then I get, um, you know, I'm kind of rambling here, but it it it, it gets everything kicked off, and I'm and I look forward to it a lot. Yes, absolutely, and I'm looking forward to the to the next year. You and I, I think I'm going to be like you, Sam. I'm going to try to be a person that goes every year as long as uh, I can make it work with my schedule. Uh, so, kind of jumping back to you, Dan. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and I guess allude on, is. Uh, how much work goes into putting this event on? Because I think that's something that um, I don't want people to overlook or take for granted. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's it's one of those labors of love though. You know, I mean, um, we usually start sometime in usually July, late July, um, start to make the rounds going out, talking to the various landowners, um, touching base. We do contact every landowner every year to make sure that we're still good. Um, because things happen, you know, people sell their properties, um, you know, somebody may pass and leave it to, leave it to a relative that doesn't want anybody to hunt. And we just don't want to have somebody show up and, you know, show up on, on our first day of our hunt and have them, you know, pull into somebody's driveway and then only to get chased out. So, um, you know, we want to make sure it's a fun event for everybody. So, you know, we do do all those property visits, um, you know, something that, you know, people that are coming from a distance, you know, they can't necessarily, you know, make those connections and people don't usually hunt the same properties every year either. Some people do, some people don't. Um, so, you know, you may not even know which property you're going to be on when you actually show up in camp. Um, but I, in my opinion, all of our properties are good. I think every property has, um, you know, have, we've taken deer off of almost every property that we have. Um, it's funny because I think this year, the deer that we got this year, primarily were taken off of most of the properties that we didn't harvest from last year. (laughs) So it was kind of, you know, again, everything kind of ebbs and flows and, you know, we, we wound up being very successful this year on properties that, you know, that we haven't, haven't maybe, you know, taken deer on in the past. And that might've been because of the acorn crop or, you know, something else, but, um, but yeah, a lot of work goes into it. You know, we do have a, a team of guys that, um, you know, puts a lot of work into that. We have a, a guy that focuses just strictly on the communications, getting the emails out, getting all the information out, information sharing and stuff like that is, is great. And hopefully by next year, we'll, we may, we may wind up having a, a small page on the UBP page. Maybe, um, I don't know if we're going to have online registrations, uh, up to speed yet for that, but, you know, we are growing little leaps and bounds here. So, um, you know, but like I said, you know, it, it does take a team to put this on and, you know, it's just a, uh, it's a group effort and, you know, but it does, you know, it does take a lot of work to put something like, you know, of this magnitude on it is, it is a big event. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. <laughs> it, it does, uh, it does take time. Torin, he's being humble Dan works his butt off for this thing. No, nobody works hard. I mean, he has guys on his team that really do as well, but Dan, as he said, when that goes out to every property, and when you get your property assigned, he gives you hints to where to put tree stands. So he's not only talked to the landowners, he scouted the properties. Now, that's a lot of legwork, and Dan does most of that. And uh, 
my hat's off to Dan because it's a, it's a tremendous job, and it, I don't think it would be the same without his effort. Thanks, Sam. I 100% agree. I saw you running around uh, like a chicken with your head cut off, and you could tell how much just just watching it, how much work is involved, and then two, how much you enjoy doing it as well. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, it, the, the event wouldn't be successful if you know if we weren't all having a good time, and that's you know that's what one of the things that I'm there to try to ensure is that everybody's having a good time. So, um, you know, if we if we harvest deer, that's just a bonus, but. Um, you know, it's all about, it's all about the camaraderie and the friendships that are built every year. And that's, you know, that's what I, that's what I go on. That's what keeps me, that's what keeps me uh, motivated throughout the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we're getting close to an hour here, but uh, one of the things I think we're missing on is uh, the big uh, cookout. Yeah. The, the pig roast on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, that's, not only is the 5C event our uh, premier event for the UBP, but the pig roast is the big premier event of the 5C hunt itself. So, um, you know, we do have uh, we do have a, a great one of our team members who's uh, was actually educated as a chef. <laughs> um, so his specialty is, uh, you know, making sure that the dinners go well. On uh, on Friday night, we, we kind of take it a little easy and we just order some pizzas in. So Friday night's pizza night. And then on Saturday night, we have a, we have a huge pig roast. Um, we do get a smoked pig from one of the local guys and, um, we have a, you know, Steve brings in, uh, Steve makes a run out to Lancaster and picks up, uh, pick pickles and all kinds of, uh, side dishes and stuff. And he makes his own homemade coleslaw and we put on a, a huge dinner on Saturday night, which, you know, one of the other benefits of that is just, you know, in a, just in addition to getting everybody together to kind of celebrate the, the event and having a good time is that we actually also invite in the landowners. And it's great when we see the landowners get there because then, you know, the people, the people that have been hunting the properties get an opportunity to, you know, really sit down and say, Hey, thank you. You know, thank you for opening up your property. You know, there's, so many people that you know shut their properties down to hunting for various you know reasons throughout the years you know bad experiences people leaving trash behind and stuff like that so you know we try to make sure that our guys are always very courteous when they go out and um you know talk to the landowners and then you know having them come back and having them meet you know one-on-one on a on a non-hunting type of uh you know dinner type event like that is just kind of cool to sit down and just sit there and chit chat with a landowner and, and hear, you know, hear some of the things that they have going on. So it's kind of, kind of a neat event. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't get to attend this, this year. I had uh, other engagements, but I'm super excited for Joe's been um, telling me all about how awesome the, the pig roast is. Um, But I can't wait for, I can't wait to be at that next year because it sounds like one it's an awesome time and then two it's some delicious food which that speaks to uh my heart well so, you're not you're not gonna lose weight on this hunt i can tell you that because <laughs> between the pig and and you, you know you can walk around during midday to every tent and every camp and get a sampling of some kind of uh a dish for, you know everybody's cooking something and you walk by they going in as a for each lunch so there's uh, there's a lot of food there, that's for sure. Part of the fun. Definitely, definitely. All right, fellas. Well, I guess we'll wrap up here. Um, Sam, I'm going to co- direct a couple questions to you. Uh, one, how can 
hunters join the UBP and what is the membership? Uh, this is $25 and I, I think a year and I, I think I paid $39 for a pack of broadheads just the other week. So not a whole lot um, of money for the benefits you're going to get by, by joining us. And, um, yeah, it, again, it's uh Army mentality, the bigger our army, the more powerful we're going to be. So every bow hunter in Pennsylvania has got to think about joining. And all you need to do is go online, uh, org, and uh, there's a link there or send you to our membership. You can sign up online. It's very simple to do, uh, including having your voice heard uh, and being kept informed of what's happening in the legislature and in the game commission you'll get uh, our uh, quarterly magazine you'll get our monthly newsletter and uh, if you give us an email address and uh, you will get uh, a, a national publication called bow hunting world all free as part of your membership uh, a bow hunting world magazine which has a lot of good articles in it and um, how to's and things like that and that's great for new bow hunters because you know a, a bow a hunting focused magazine is where you're going to learn you know, you'll learn a lot of stuff in there so uh for example i i got just started sous vide cooking for example because of an article i read in there i never heard of it before and it's a great way to cook medicine so um so it's, it's one of the benefits so just go to ubpa.org online um if you have trouble finding it, just plug in United Bow Hunters of Pennsylvania into a search engine and you'll take you right there and sign up. And I'll make sure I have all those links in the show notes for anybody that wants to check out UBP. Join. I highly recommend it. The last thing, Sam, that I want to talk about is the Winter Banquet. So yes. that's coming up here. Uh, do you want to kind of talk on that a little bit? You know, that's that's one of our primary fundraising events. I mean, it's uh, we we need to have some funds to, to make a lot of this stuff happen, and the the uh, the winter banquet's a, a great time to you know get together, uh, and you know we have a great meal. There's all kinds of fun games and raffles and so forth, and that you can also find information on our website. Uh, and you can even sign up uh, for tickets on there. It's held just outside of Harrisburg. And, um, you know, it's very important that a lot of members come there. We typically have a, a speaker uh, from the Game Commission. Uh, we give away annual our annual awards there. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great event. And that's when we also give away our Youth Scholarship Award if, if we have a winner on a given year. So, um, Great, great way to get involved, meet other people, and uh, you know help the cause. So I encourage people to come to the banquet. It's as important as any of our events, quite frankly, um, for throughout the year. Yep, and that the the date of the banquet is February twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. So it's right around the corner. Get your tickets for that uh, banquet and come out and support the UBP, whether you're a member or not. Uh, it's it looks like it's going to be a good time. I plan to be there. A good point. Non-members are welcome. Uh, it's a good place the way to become a member. Show up there and, uh, um, and you know, it's a, it's a good time to, to help out a good cause. 
again, the, the banquet is one non-members are welcome is what I was saying at the end there. Uh, so and if, if a member has a, a non-member they'd like to just introduce to the running community, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to, uh, you know, to introduce somebody to our organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to try to bring up uh, a couple friends and get them to join. Um, I'll try to bring out a couple gambling friends. They love uh, raffles and that whole deal. So I'm sure uh, they'll probably be joining. Uh, yeah, that's the other part. I'm sorry. The other point I do want to make is that there there is limited seating. So it's important to get on there and get your tickets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, Dan, did you have any closing thoughts that you wanted to touch on before we hop off? No, not really. I mean, um, we're, I'm just looking forward to having you back in camp next year. I think, uh, unfortunately, this year with the bad weather, and I know you had a, other uh, engagements, you weren't able to really spend the kind of time that you wanted there. So um, it'll be nice to sit down and, and actually have a nice conversation with you and hopefully you'll be able to bring a few of your buddies out to the 5C. And if you're going to come to the winter banquet, I hope to see you there as well. I'm planning on planning on being there myself. Yep. It's not too far from where I live, so uh, I definitely plan on being there. Hey, Warren, uh, one other thing we should mention that's coming up at about the same time the Winter Banquet is we have two events throughout the state. You can read about them uh, on our website as well to get the dates and locations. And that's we have uh, events called Archery Golf Shoots. Uh, where we commandeer a golf course for the day, uh, throw all the golf, golfers off with clubs, and we use our bows to play golf. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's one of our fundraisers. Mm. It looks like the next one is in Region 2 on, I guess that's January January 5th, if I'm uh, seeing that correctly. That's probably correct, yeah. I, I don't know the dates off my head, but, yeah, you just basically take your bow, and instead of hitting the golf ball 300 yards, you shoot an arrow as far as you can and go with a blunt tip for safety, obviously. And uh, you have a blunt tip on it, and you uh, go up and pick your arrow, and, uh, and you hit your third shot, Which, and once you get within 30 yards that we have sitting next to the green, you... Um, shoot a field tip and if you hit the bullseye you get a one putt if you hit the target you get a two putt that's it's cool. the only place in golf, it's the only place in golf that I, I am capable of shooting in the in the 40s <laughs> <laughs> that's real cool i'll definitely have to uh make it out to one of those uh i know i, I know a couple buddies that'll definitely be interested in that it's a blast great thing to do in the winter absolutely all right, fellas, uh, if there's no other closing thoughts uh, for the listeners, be sure if uh, to join the UBP. Uh, you can get your membership at ubofpa.org, unitedbowhuntersofpa.org, and I will have all the links in the show notes. Thank you, fellas, for hopping on, and thank you, everybody, for listening in to the Whitetail Theories podcast.